Hello, hello. I'm Rick. I'm just one of the ministers here. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming and being uh, with us today. I see some people who uh, I haven't seen in such a long time, and it's just got me energized. And, uh, and so I just feel like this is the week for old people. You know, it's like... Uh, and I, 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 I am one. And so uh, when, I, when I see Beth on the keyboards, it just feels like home. And I saw Ted and Lori, and I'm like, man, it's been such a long time since I've... And Phil Mickelson is leading the PGA Championship. It's like, yeah, go old people, you know? And so uh, I'm so glad that you're here. So that you ask for it. Those cards are in the pew rack, and you can put them in the boxes, just like Savannah said behind, or leave them in your pew racks. When we clean up everything, uh, we'll pick them up, and we'll collect them, and we're going to choose the best four, five, or six. I don't know however long the series is going to last. really depends on the quality of the questions. We've already received some pretty good questions. And so any question that you have as it relates to your relationship with God or our relationships with each other or a dilemma in which you're stuck and you're wondering what are the principles of how to get unstuck, whatever that question is, write it out for us and we want to answer your questions. We, this is a series where you get to lead us, where you get to determine what the messages are that are being presented because it impacts your life right now. And so very important to us. Now, I had somebody knock on our door and come in this week, and they said, we're looking to hire people, and we can't get people to come to work because they're making more money sitting at home doing nothing. And so they're like, we just, has anybody heard that before? I mean, you're just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so she said, here it is. We're paying X amount an hour. I think they build concrete wall systems and stuff. So if that interests you and you're looking for a good paying job, she said, we're even given a $1,000 bonus if you stay X amount of time. Because they've had people to come and go home and say, listen, I don't even want to work in the heat. I get more money to do nothing at home. Now, how many of you believe that we ought to be staying home doing nothing instead of going to work? Any of you think, yeah. How many of you think people ought to go to work instead of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am so glad to hear you say that. Because we need 30 more volunteers. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page. We wanted to give every one of you enough time to come back and get refreshed. But we have gone through one of the most difficult but internal, uh, I don't want to call it selfish, but self-preserving times in our life. Coming out of that is difficult, isn't it? And so... Hopefully, you've been refreshed. Hopefully, as you come back and, and you're starting to feel more normal and getting back into a routine, you know, it took 70 volunteers, 70 team workers to make Sunday morning happen here at First City. Out front, in the coffee house, in the back with the children, security, safety, all, it just takes that many people, you know, to serve and do all of the work. We want you to be one of them. And what we're really looking for is to have so many people volunteering and so many people working in different areas that it doesn't have to wear too many people out. It doesn't have to wear any of us out. As it is right now, this is why I need your help. We have some very good, godly, serving people who have not been to a worship service because they're serving all the time. And we need you to help them. We need, we, so, will you help me? Will you, will you help me? Will you get involved? So take that seriously. Pray about it. See where God wants you to get involved. All of us doing a little makes a big difference. Amen? Amen. So 
We're coming near the end of this Jesus is series. And we started it by talking about a lot of things that Jesus is. And we started with Jesus is alive. And we said, you know, he's, because he's alive, he's gone to heaven. He's sitting next to God. He's waiting, preparing a place for you. And he's active and interactive and a part of your life. And he can make things better for you if you'll just reach out to him, if you'll just respond to him. And then Casey brought a message and said, you know, Jesus is God. He is in control of everything And he knows the way out if you're stuck. He knows how to help you be blessed. He knows how to do everything because he created everything. And so because Jesus is God and and can be in control and knows everything, you can turn to him and you can trust him. And then we said Jesus is amazing out of the gospel of Mark. Everything he said, everything he did, Jesus was just amazing. And what Mark is saying is if you'll take the time to get to know him, you will discover he is amazing to you as well. And then we said Jesus is healer. And he's like, come, come to me, ask me, let me help you. And so he was the healer, not just of physical things, but emotional things and spiritual things and things that have a grip on us that we need to let go of. And so Jesus can heal us from all of that. And then we said, uh, Jesus is obedient. And as Jesse brought this message about how, you know, Jesus was obedient to God and he's calling all of us to be obedient as well. And he's looking to support those who are obedient to him. And Jesus is Lord, which means that we are servants. We lose everything. We give up everything. And he said, Terrence was talking about that actually the word is about being a slave. I have been bought with the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so I lose everything that I want and I put all my emphasis in Lord What is your will for my life? And then Jesus is sufficient. I thought I was going to lose it when Taryn was bringing up all those uh, objects last week. And he brought that long-legged woman and that short man. And I'm like, I resemble that right there. And, and, you know, he's holding them up. And and in my mind, I was thinking, you know, if you're a woman and you see that little old man coming up, you're like, don't even waste your time. But if you're that little man and you see that woman walking up, you're like, God has answered all of my prayers, right? And so we're, you know, Jesus is sufficient. We do need each other, but not for life, not for godliness, not for happiness. And for any of us to put on to somebody else, well, you need to be doing this for me and then I would be happy. They're not meant to carry that. Only Jesus is sufficient for everything you need. Amen? And I'm looking at all of that, and I'm like, well, this is a great series. You've had different people to present messages. You got to talk about it on this back wall. Who is Jesus to you? And I'm looking at all this, and I'm like, man, Jesus is great. Amen? Is Jesus not outstanding? Is he not great? Is he not amazing? Well, here's my question. If Jesus is so great, why is he so rejected? Why? And convenient. He's difficult to give up. Deborah, why is he difficult to give up? Oh. So you're, you're preaching better than I am. I mean, you're like, well, let's just get to the heart of the matter. I'd rather be hang out with my sin than Jesus. Is that what you're saying? So.
Yeah, I think. So, whoo, Deborah, you're already at the end of my message. <laughs> if Jesus is so great, why is he so rejected? And it's not that he wants it to be that way. Jesus is the most loved and most hated in our world. Amen? He wants to unify everybody. And yet, it causes the most division. And so when you read about Jesus, what he's saying is, the world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. Just like, let me just tell you why I'm divisive. Let me tell you why people hate me. Because when I show up, I stand for something. And I convict people of their sin. And people don't want to hear it. Now, this conversation was a part of a larger conversation, believe it or not, Jesus was having with his own brothers. You know, Jesus was the oldest sibling of several. And they were talking to Jesus, and he grew up in that home. He grew up with them. He was 30 years old. And they still did not believe that their older brother, Jesus, was the Messiah. They heard the story. Their mom told the story. They knew what it was supposed to be, but Jesus had not revealed who he was. And look at what his brother said to him. Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. They were saying, Jesus, you need to go on down you know, to the Feast of the Tabernacle and let your followers see your miracles. Why? You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can, if... You can do such wonderful things. Show yourself to the world. And here's that line. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. And Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go. But you can go anytime. The world can't hate you. But it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. What are you saying, Jesus? He said to his brothers, listen, you go ahead and go down. Because when you show up, nobody cares. You don't make a difference in the world. You don't stand. People can't see that. They can't distinguish the difference between how you live your life and how they're living their lives. But when I show up, things are different. I'm going to make a difference. And they're like, you just need to go be a sideshow. You can't be famous hiding here. Go on down to Jerusalem. Go on down to Judea. And go there to the Feast of the Tabernacle. Get you a little booth. And stand up and, and, and say to everybody, step right up and see the miracle worker. See the Messiah. Do, do, we do some fancy tricks. They're just making fun of him. If you're going to stand for Christ, have you ever seen people make fun of Christians? Yes or no? Put them in their place. Making it so that we don't even want to speak up for what we believe. And why? And Jesus is saying, here's the tension. He doesn't want it to be that way. But a division arose in the crowd because of him. Some even wanted him arrested, but no one laid a hand on him. That's at the end of John 7. John 10 says the same thing. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. And so this sentence right here, so a division arose in the crowd because of him. If you were to bring up the subject of Jesus at work, is a division going to come up? Is it going to be controversial? What about if you're at a neighborhood party or you're sitting around the pool or you're at a community center or, or if you're downtown or if you're in a restaurant or there's several people and you bring up the subject of Jesus, is there going to be a division? 
So it's still true today. Don't you just hate it? But Jesus is like, this is the way it is. Now, first of all, you need to know, and, and this is just the dilemma of the gospel of Jesus. He does not want to be controversial. Look at his prayer in John 17. To the world, Jesus is divisive. True or false? Jesus is like, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for those who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one. Just as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. This is Jesus' prayer. Not that the world will be divided, but that the world will be one. That his followers, that we will all be united around the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are in one. And I am in them and you are in me that they may experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Jesus is like, you know, the world needs to see that we are all united and that we love each other and that we treat each other well and that we're in perfect unity. And that, he is saying will also be a witness to a world that does not want to believe in him. And this is the way that Jesus created it. He wants everyone saved. Amen? He wants the whole world to be united, to go to heaven, to spend eternity in heaven with God. But we have this, in, in John 11, we have the, the scheme of Satan and the plan of God in back-to-back -back sentences. And so in John chapter 11... You know, Jesus, after he had healed and, and, and uh, helped, helped Lazarus to come back from being dead, the Bible says that the Pharisees were guided into a meeting and they're like, the whole world is going after this man. The whole world is going after Jesus. And they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We, if we just sit back and do nothing, then more people are going to go and we're going to lose our power. And Caiaphas spoke up. And here is the plan of Satan. So Caiaphas, who was a high priest at the time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's, get these words, better for you that one man should die for the people than the whole nation be destroyed. So what he's saying is you guys are just wasting your time. You're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Just go kill the man. It's better for you if you just go kill him. Otherwise, everything we're fighting for and believe in is going to be destroyed. Our power is going to be taken away. And how can this man who has no military background, has no army, he comes in here and, all, and he does a few wonders and tricks and miracles, and everybody's like, whoa, did you see that? Just go kill him already. And that way he won't destroy us. It's better for us that we just get rid of this man. And then God speaks, and he gives us this little picture into the plan of heaven. He did not say this on his own. As high priest at the time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation, and not only for that nation, but to bring together and unite all the children of God scattered around the world. God's like, yep, yeah, they're going to kill him, but they're going to think they're saving themselves, their power. But Jesus is going to die, and it's going to save the world. Not just these here, but from now on, all Christians everywhere throughout the world will be united around Jesus Christ. 
And so Satan's plan was to kill him. God's plan was through that death we would be saved. And so Jesus even spoke about it in one of the most comforting and controversial statements in all of the Bible. It is so comforting that I, I quote it in every one of the funerals that I do. And I've been in ministry for a long time. And it's one of the things that I just say in every funeral because its words are so comforting. In John 14, Jesus said this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. And this is just hope for people who have lost life or for the families of, who are sitting in a room grieving someone that has just left them. But they know God came and, and received them. It's a holy moment when God walks into a hospital room or a nursing home or into a, the bedroom at a home and takes home one of his own. And we know, and if you've ever been in that position, is this not one of the most comforting passages in all of the Bible? But it's also one of the most controversial because Jesus said, and where I go, you know the way. And Thomas is like, Lord, how can we know the way? We don't even know where you're going, how, much less know the way to get there. And Jesus said what? I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is so comforting to those of us who are believers that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This statement, no one comes to the Father except through me, you think the rest of the world wants to hear that? That has become one of the most controversial statements in all of the Bible. Everybody wants to believe there are many paths to heaven. Why, you can have your truth and I can have my truth, and it's all okay. It's not okay. Jesus is saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And the reason Jesus is so divisive is because people want to go their own way, have their own truth, and live their own life. True or false? Is it creeping its way into the church, yes or no? That's our tension. We don't want to be hated. We don't want to be disliked. I don't want the whole world turning their back on me. And so if we're not careful, we become weak in our message of Jesus Christ. And that he is the only way. You can't save yourself. You can't work hard enough for it. You can't do enough right. You have to give yourself completely to Jesus Christ, period. And there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. There is no way under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's either true or it's not true. And so people want to go their own way. I want to do my own thing. I just want God to bless it. And I want to have, I got my truth. You can have your truth. That's okay. Just don't step on mine. And I want to live my own life. I have my own morality. I have my own plan. And so when Jesus speaks against it or his word speaks against it, 
it causes division. So I have four truths for you that I want to say today. And then this is going to, it really is going to end our, our messages around Jesus is next week. We're going to have a whole worship. It's going to be, it's going to be sermon and song. And uh, we're going to just sing about how Jesus is adorable and he is to be praised and he is worthy. And I, I, if you love worship, man, next week is for you. But here are the four for this first one. We will get caught up in the division. The world is divided around Jesus Christ. And because you are a believer, because you are a follower, you will get caught up in the division. And so the, this is what John 15 says. Jesus was talking to his apostles. And he said, listen, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it. But you are no longer part of the world. Amen? Or is that our tension? Is that part of our problem? Is that part of our issue? Jesus is like, listen, there are only two ways to go. It's the way of the world or it's my way. You're either going to follow me and serve me as Lord and believe that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm going to take you to heaven. And I'm calling you into the obedience of it. Or you're going to compromise it out through the world. I want to be liked. I, want, I don't want everybody to hate me. Right? But that's just it. I mean, this is, it's the part of what he is saying is that you're going to get caught up. We're going to get caught up in the divisiveness of the world. You take a stand for Jesus and somebody's going to say something. And, and, you know, when I was in business, I, ca I remember losing my biggest client because I refused to do something illegal. You make a decision that you're going to stand for God no matter what. You're not going to tell that person a lie. You're not going to get on the phone. You're not going to deceive by your sales tactic. You say, I'm not doing that. Because I don't believe in that. It violates my principles. And you see, you'll find out. And you have to make a decision. Am I a follower? Am I a believer? Am I obedient? Or am I not? And so since we're here, he said, I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. If this is true, and if you are obedient to this, number two follows right along. We will both be loved and hated. Get used to it. Is that, is that okay for me to say as a pastor? Just, just get used to it. You're going to be hated. You take a stand for Jesus, you're not going to be loved. There are going to be parties that people are not going to want to invite you to. Right? There are going to be things directed at you, and they're going to hide who sent it or hide who did it. And you're going to have things talking about you behind your back, and you're going to have, you know, just put on some thick skin. I loved it when last week Taryn was talking about how the, some of his disciples they suffered, they were beaten, they were flogged. Remember when Taryn was bringing that last week? They were flogged and they went back and praised God that he found them worthy to suffer in his name. That is our attitude. And so, what are we going to do? I mean, I'm going to be loved by you. We're going to love on each other. But we're going to be hated by people who don't want to hear that message. So... We're either going to go boldly proclaim anyway, or we're going to shrink back. And we can't shrink back and not do the mission God has called us to. So then number three, 
bring as many worldly people as you can into the church. Do you agree with that? I'm, let me, I'm, it's not a trick question. I absolutely believe it. So I'm asking, do you believe it? And, and here's why I'm asking. Because there are a whole bunch of churches. How many churches do we have around here? I keep saying 400. It's got to be close to that. Maybe a million. I don't know how many churches there are. But there are a whole bunch of churches. Do you know I'm constantly surprised at how many of them want to keep any, any semblance, any sign of sin out of their church. Why? I don't want to embarrass you, but we have people in this church who've been kicked out of other churches. I was kicked out of a church. And they come here, good people, wonderful hearts, wanting to serve God. But churches are like, oh, if you're going to really show who you are, I mean, if you're really going to just say, listen, here I am, and I'm sinful, and here's the deal. And they're like, well, you're not welcome here. And there are people who are kicked out of churches because they've been divorced or because of sexual identity or because of a lot of that kind of And we're like, well, we've got to stand up for the church. We've got to protect the church and not let sin come in. Oh, yeah? If we took that stand, none of you would be here, including me. I guarantee you none of you are as big a sinner as I am. I guarantee you. You want to get together and compare notes? I'll do it privately. But I bet none of you love God as much as I do either. More, or more. I know you do as much. God has saved me from... It overwhelms me when I think about what God has saved me from. And it fills my heart with grace and love. And it makes me want to run out to the marginalized people. And when the Pharisees showed up, they're like, Jesus, every time we find you, you're in the home of some sinner getting a massage by some sinful woman. And you're not a spiritual prophet. Look at who you hang out with. You're a drunkard, a glutton, and a friend of sinners. And Jesus is like, you bet I am. Because you kick these people out of your churches. And so I'm going to tell you the truth. These prostitutes and sinners will go to heaven before you. And Jesus told you when they show up, some of the bravest people I know are people who are willing to say, I'm struggling with life. I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with stuff. But I can't hide it. This is who I am. And when they suffer for being that honest, it is, I just do not believe God likes it. I think what God really hates are the people who show up looking like they got it all together, but they're hiding their stuff. So, I hope that this becomes the place where every, every sinner feels more comfortable here than they do anywhere else. Doesn't that amaze you about Jesus? The people who were the furthest from God felt the closest to him. And the people who thought that they had, you know, God by the neck are the people that Jesus had the biggest problem with. So I pray that we bring as many, we need to fill this place up with every sinner in Escambia County. 
and it's not going to feel safe. Oh, I don't, that didn't feel safe to me. I don't want my children around that. I don't want to be around. I don't want to look. I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to. You know, that's our mission. And so go quickly into the streets and the alleys and the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And after the servant had done this, he responded, there's still room for more. And so the master said, well, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. That's the heart of Jesus. He's like, you go behind the dumpster and find the one who's embarrassed and you bring them in and you make them feel welcome and you share with them the love of God. And man, may God have mercy on us if we look down on anybody because of their struggle. Now, here's the final point. Get as much of the worldly thinking as you can out of the church. When they come, we don't influence them. I mean, you know, they don't, we're not going to let them influence us to compromise into the world. We are to change their thinking and be renewed and be transformed. Did Paul not say, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So that's, this is our dilemma. This is our struggle. This is the tension of church. Yes, we want this place to be holy and obedient. We're moving people into holy obedience. But this is the place where people should be able to come and freely receive Jesus Christ. And you must carry him inside you with full confidence and know who you are and what you believe in and why you believe Jesus is amazing and why he is Lord and why he is sufficient. And do not let the world transform you. You transform them into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's our mission. And so... As we come to the end of this series, I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that you have said, yes, Jesus is amazing and he's all those things. But you're going to walk into a world and it's going to be divisive when you carry the message of Jesus. So my prayer for you is that you stand strong in your faith. That you know who you are and you do not compromise. And then you take the message and hope of Jesus Christ into all the world. And when sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors come here, they're going to be amazed. And they're going to say, I am so glad I've discovered that place. Amen? Jesus is Lord, sufficient, amazing, obedient. And he's divisive in the world, but not here. And here he's loved. And so are you. May God bless you. Communion is all about surrendering to the death, burn, resurrection of Jesus. And for those of you who are at home and are going to do this around your coffee tables and end tables and in your kitchen. And for those of us who, as we leave, we've prepared these little communion cups 
And I don't want you to pass it up. I don't want you just to walk by it as if it doesn't mean anything. It means everything. It's the symbol that Jesus left for you. That today, with your family, with the ones closest to you, you take that cup and you remember your commitment. You remember what Jesus did on the cross. The blood he shed so that you could be free. What he did in giving up his life so that you would have hope. To save sinners like us. And you eat and you drink. And you tell him thank you. For what he has done in your life. And if you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ. Today is the day. Now is the time. Where you say I want Jesus in my life. And if you are already a believer. And yet you haven't been living up for what God has called us to. Then today is the day. You repent. You say I want to stop. I want to change. And if you've never given your life to Christ, today is the day you say, Jesus Christ, I give up my life. I give up who I am. I am a sinner. And I'm at the end of myself. But I need you. And you give your life to Jesus Christ. I want to pray for that right now. And as we conclude our message and as we get ready to go into our homes and our city, may God bless you. Take a stand for Jesus Christ. Let's pray together.